that, I'm super excited for this morning. We have a guest speaker here today that um, has become a friend of mine over the past few years. His name is Matt Robertson. He's here with Sheila, his wife. And Matt is a director of Agape International Missions. Um, we call it AIM. That's the name that they go by. AIM is a ministry that we've supported for many years, and it's one of our most deeply held, passionate ministries um, as a church. AIM um, was founded in Cambodia with the express goal of eliminating human sex trafficking. And uh, there, a number of years ago, we were showing a video called Nefarious, which is a documentary on just the horrors and realities of human sex trafficking in the world. And at that time, we didn't have a ministry. We just cared. We were burdened. We were broken. Um, it's something that Jessica and I have been passionate about for our whole marriage. And so we wanted to raise awareness. While we're watching this video, Nefarious, and this video was surveying lots of different ministries around the world, a man popped up on the screen. His name was Don Brewster. And he started just talking, sharing his heart. And Jessica and I had one of those moments where we fell in love with him. It was like when Jonathan, the son of Saul, saw young David chasing Goliath. And it said that his heart was, was just knit to him. He loved him. We had one of those moments. And I thought, we have to meet this guy and figure out who this is. And turns out um, they lived in Northern California, but they had founded AIM in Cambodia. And... They have done such a remarkable job of uh, fighting sex trafficking, rescuing girls, providing two years of aftercare and therapy, social workers that help the girls, a legal team that prosecutes traffickers, a SWAT team that breaks down the doors, and, and it, it is an amazing ministry. I, I actually had the chance of, to visit them because we gave a, um, we've been supporting them for a while, so I wanted to see the work. And I got to firsthand um, meet some of the survivors, see the staff, um, hung out with the head of the SWAT team. It is amazing what they're doing. They've been so effective that they have actually shifted the rankings of the nation in terms of international safety rankings. It's a phenomenal work. Well, Matt Robertson is one of the directors of AIM. He works stateside. He coordinates with all the churches that support them, and he also has been a pastor. He's a speaker, just a powerful young man, and I'm so excited to have him talk to us today. Christine's going to come up and read our scripture text for the day, and then, Matt, you'll be off to the races. So thank you so much for being here. This is Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk? 
But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Amen. Thank you, Christine, for reading the scripture. It's an honor to be here uh, with you all this morning. Uh, I've gotten to know Chris over the past few years and uh, fallen in love with him. He's a great guy, great heart. I love this story because there's so much that we don't know, we don't see that's shared with us in the text. And I, I love trying to kind of dig into these stories a little bit and understand what was going on behind the scenes. Who are these men that brought this paralytic to Jesus? Were they just on their way to see Jesus and they saw this paralytic man on the side of the road and they said, we gotta get this, we gotta get this man to Jesus as well. We've heard about this Jesus, we're gonna go hear him, but we need to get this man there as well. Or were they friends with him? Did they know him? Did they know his story, his condition? And they said, you know what? This man is our friend. We're going to see Jesus, and we're going to take him with us to hear Jesus. And when they get to the door, they don't give up. The room is packed. They can't get in through the door. So what do they do? They don't give up. They decide it's so urgent that we get this man to Jesus, that we're going to do whatever it takes. They don't stop and they say, well, we're just going to leave this man by the side of the door here, and, and maybe when Jesus passes by, he'll heal him. No, they decide to go the extra step. And so I ask you, who is it in your life, in your community, in your work, in your school, that needs to get to Jesus? And you are the one to take them to Jesus. There will be obstacles. There will be challenges. Back to our story. They don't wait. They climb up on the roof. Now, picture with me, however many years ago that was, they didn't have cranes, pulleys. They didn't have a forklift they could bring in and raise the guy up so they could just easily slide him across and punch a hole in the roof. How did they get this man on the roof? And how did they punch a hole in the roof and lower this man down to Jesus? They probably had some ladders that they could bring together and, and hopefully some other people helped them, but they didn't have the tools or the resources they needed to get that man down to Jesus when they set out that morning. They weren't anticipating not being able to walk right in through the door. They didn't have ladders with them when they set out that morning, but yet they figured it out. They did whatever it took to get that man up on the roof and then down through the roof to Jesus. And when God calls us, to a person or a group. When God calls us to a task or a challenge, oftentimes when we set out 
to accomplish that. We don't have the skills or the tools or the resources. And we think, I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the experience. I'm not a pastor. I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna say to this person. But yet, when we take that step of faith, when we are obedient to that call, that burning that God gives us for that person or that group, that community, whatever it is, God will show up with the tools and the resources we need. I'm reminded of the story of David. Hopefully we're, we're all familiar with that story. David, a shepherd boy who's going to take food to his brothers who are fighting in the army, fighting on the front lines against the Philistines. He's just going there to take a meal. And he shows up. And there's this giant Goliath who is cursing God. And David is changed in that moment. He can't go back to what he was doing before. He can't go back. And he decides, I'm going to have to step into this battle. I'm going to have to do whatever it takes to defeat the enemy. And so at the end of that passage in 1 Samuel 40, uh, 17, 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Now, did you catch that? Did David have a sword? No. What did he have? He had some stones and a sling. Where did he get the sword to cut off Goliath's head? As crude as it may sound, he needed to send a strong signal to the Philistines. The tool that he needed was in the battle. He used Goliath's sword to cut off Goliath's head. That was pretty bold of him to say that with only the stone and the slings. And yet when he stepped into the battle, when he stepped forward in an act of faith and courage, God provided the tool that he needed as crude as it is to cut off Goliath's head because that's what was needed to send a signal to the Philistine army. And then they scattered. When I think of these stories of the paralytic man and, and, and of David's courage, I think of the story of AIM. When Don and Bridget Brewster went to Cambodia to start this work of fighting sex trafficking, originally it was just to open a restoration home for 25 girls, five years, they figured, we'll be done. <laughs> Here we are 18 years later, hundreds, thousands rescued and restored. But it took an act of faith for them to launch out, to leave everything behind in Roseville, California. Their family, their older kids, a church. He was executive pastor at a large church there. They left a lot behind to go and in that act of faith to start this ministry that we now know as AIM. And I think of the story particularly of our SWAT team. Uh, I'm going to show a quick video, and then I'm going to give you some little background behind the story of our SWAT team. 
When we saw kids being sold to pedophiles, we knew we needed to do something. In the early days, to rescue a girl, we'd pretend we wanted to buy her. And we'd negotiate a price, the brothel owner would bring her out, but we didn't pay. We'd jump on a tuk-tuk or in a car, and we'd take off without paying and take her to our restoration home. We were doing anything we could to get these girls out, but it wasn't solving the problem. The truth is, another girl took her place, and the brothel kept going. We knew we needed to do more. So we partnered with another organization in hopes that they would help us rescue these girls and shut down the brothels. One day our phone rang and it was a young girl trapped in a brothel calling for us to help. We didn't want to just rescue her and keep that brothel going. So we gave the information to this other organization, but we had to wait three days for them to get into position to do a raid. But it was tipped off, and none of the girls were rescued, and now they were moved to a new brothel, and we didn't know where they were or how to get them out. They were still trapped there, being abused multiple times a day by many different men. Knowing the extent of the suffering that these girls were going through, we couldn't wait. One girl is too many, and one day is too long. We recognized immediately that it was a big mistake to let them wait in a brothel while we waited for someone else to rescue them. We would never let this happen again. So we partnered with the Cambodian government and started our own SWAT team. And when this partnership with the government started, everything turned around. Instead of raids being tipped off, there was hardly ever a raid that wasn't successful. And now that girl that made the phone call, she's not only rescued, she's not only healed, but today she's a social worker of our SWAT team. And when a rescue happens, the first person those girls see is her. She also testified against the brothel owner. All the girls were rescued, the brothel was shut down, and no girls are being hurt there again. We do whatever it takes, but that we include you. There are girls trapped in brothels. We know where they are, and we know how to get them out. But we can't do it alone. We need your help. So the backstory behind that is, as Don shared, there was a tip-off. We gave information to another organization. There was a tip-off. They went to rescue the girls, and the girls were gone. That happened multiple times, actually, and, and Don and our staff in Cambodia got so fed up with that, with good information, good intel that we had going to waste. And so Don said, let's start a SWAT team. But when you think about it, how crazy is that? A Christian American organization starting a SWAT team in Cambodia, a predominantly Buddhist country. Who would ever thought that that was possible? So Don put together a proposal that he presented to the general who was over anti-trafficking at the time. And the general read it word by word, page by page. And we expected at first that they would reject it. We'd have to revise it, come back with another proposal. Or maybe they'd redline it and say, here's what we'll, do, we'll agree to, but you have to do this and this. He read through it word by word, page by page, and said, let's do it. 
okay, great. It's not in our plan. It's not in our budget. But we went to a church in Northern California, and we shared the, the plan. We shared the proposal. And they said, let's help you raise some money for this. So a series of Christmas services that they did, they raised, well, they didn't raise what we needed. They raised more than we needed. And so we were off and running. And since then, 1,600 girls have been rescued. And as we've shared, we also arrest the traffickers. Over 500 traffickers have been arrested and sent to prison. But it's really important for us, the restoration. We go beyond the rescue. We want these girls to find restoration and healing and a new life in Christ. And so they go into our restoration home where they experience the love, the hope, the unconditional love of our staff. They get to go to back to school. Many of them have not been in school for years, if ever. So we catch them up in school. Their own language, Khmer, English. We want to prepare them for a new life in Christ. And as you saw in the video, one of the very first things that happens when they enter into our restoration home is we throw them a princess party. We put a tiara on their head because we want them to know that they are a loved, valued, cherished daughter of the king. They may not yet know this king, but they will get to know the king of kings and lord of lords through the unconditional love of our staff. And the heroes in this story are our staff, and particularly our house moms, who live with these girls, put up with incredible, incredible verbal and sometimes physical abuse at first because these girls come in battered, torn, abused. They've experienced violence that no one should experience. And so then they take that out on the house moms because that's what they've experienced. So I want to show you a quick video about our house moms and the heroes in my heart. I think all the job here is pretty tough because we are working with traumatized girls. I would say, yeah, the house mom has uh, one of the toughest jobs because they are here 24-7. It requires patience because they would curse at you, they would spit at you, they would do like many things and just wanted you to hate them, you know, because that's what they had experienced. ໄປໄປຕາຍໂຕຕາຈຸດໂຕເກຍັງ
the house mom know the unconditional love from God. They had experienced that and so therefore they used that experience to love on these girls. ខ្ញុំក៏ថាអង្គការអង្គគឺល្អបំផុតពីព្រោះអង្គការអង្គ When I, uh, when I see that video, I'm reminded of a story of a girl that's just been rescued. She's brought in. She sits down to have her first meal. She's been able to shower, maybe for the first time in a while. She sits down to have her meal. The house mom brings her a bowl of noodles. And this girl, in her anger, confusion, what, what, where is she? What is she doing here? She chucks the bowl of noodles across the room and says, you eat that, you dog, which is a huge insult in that culture. What does a house mom do? Instead of reacting out of her flesh, she responds in the unconditional love of Christ. She goes, picks up the noodles, puts them in the garbage, grabs another bowl of fresh noodles from the kitchen, brings them and sets them down in front of that girl so that she can have a meal. And in that demonstrates the unconditional love of Christ. Now back to the passage Luke 5, verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. Not the paralytic man. I don't want to undermine his condition. But when Jesus saw their faith, I can be a little slow sometimes. I have to admit, you can, you can ask my wife. I missed that the first hundred times I heard or read this story. When Jesus saw their faith, the men that got the paralytic man to Jesus, that didn't stop at the door, that did whatever it took to get the man on the roof and down in front of Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith. Then it hit me. Where else do we see this? Where else in scripture do we see this? In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And do you see it now? There is no I or me in the Lord's prayer, because it's about us. 
It's about us as a community coming together to reach the lost, to love the lost, locally and globally, coming together. And when you are in community, you link arms with others and you accomplish so much more. We were never meant to suffer alone. We were never meant to do ministry or outreach alone. It's always meant to be done in community with your fellow brothers and sisters sitting in this room or in other churches, in your place of work, in your school, to link arms to come together. For AIM, it takes a community coming together, a community of social workers and house moms and cooks and cleaners and police, SWAT team members, teachers in our school. It takes a community doing whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. It takes a community in Cambodia and now in Belize where we've just started work. And it takes a community here just like you have faithfully been doing praying and supporting us. And what else might God be calling you to? As we shared in the first video, our SWAT team has been so successful that we've actually had to ask them to slow down because our restoration home is full. So we've identified properties that we can uh, purchase or lease and refurbish and then be able to double our restoration capacity from 60 to 70 to 120 so that all of these girls initially have a safe place to go. And then they can, we can help them find jobs or return them safely to their families. But there's no point in rescuing the girls if there's not a safe place for them to go. And then in the end, people will see a difference. Luke 5, 26, back to our passage one more time. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the goal, that God would be glorified, that he would be lifted up. Amen? Amen. It's all about him. It's not about aim. It's not about Hope City. It's about his kingdom. And ultimately, that he would be glorified and lifted up. And so when you take that step of faith to whatever God is calling you to, here in your church, in your community, in your school, in your business, in your local community, globally, and you link arms with others, God will provide the tools, the resources, the words that you need, and ultimately, he will get the glory. Let me close this in prayer. God, thank you for this church, for what you are doing in and through this church. Thank you for the opportunity to come and share. May my humble words have lifted you up in what you are doing. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Let's, let's just interact for a minute. <laughs> Should we arm wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we have a few minutes, and so I think maybe we'll just talk a little bit more and then then we'll pray and can, can I um, let me just make a couple of comments uh, from the talk and then uh, maybe ask a couple of questions and mm. clarify a few things that was fantastic thank you um, I'm wearing a couple of bracelets right now that have the number 22 on them these mm. are bracelets from aim I have about 40 of them they 
they, they represent, I think, that story that you were telling. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I'll tell the story from my understanding, and then you can, if I have the details wrong. Yeah. But when that young girl called AIM and asked mm -hmm. them to come rescue her, and then the, the location was tipped off, and then it didn't happen, it was 22 days before AIM was actually able to find her, which is actually pretty, pretty remarkable, because mm -hmm. they had no clue where, so where do you, Okay, they're gone. Now, where in a city do you go look for somebody and actually find them? So the 22 represents the days that it took to find them. But in the meantime, if I'm remembering right, that, that, that young girl was raped 128 times mm -hmm. or in that range. Horribly, horribly traumatic. And so a lot of the, the AIM leadership, they, they, they started making these bracelets. And they have um, uh, sewing centers and education centers where these rescued girls learn a profession and they learn a trade. And so um, a lot of what they do is, is um, making jewelry and clothing. And for a while, they were using 22 um, bullet shell uh, shells as the metal for the 22, and these were these were bullet shells from the the killing fields in Cambodia. There's mm -hmm. tremendous significance in the ministry there, mm -hmm. um, and I think some of the leaders actually have gotten 22 tattooed um, on them. Mm -hmm. My wife, I think, is up to six tattoos. I don't have any, but I thought, boy, that's a that's that's a pretty powerful mm -hmm. powerful thing. But is that accurate that that was the kind of the yeah, yeah, that's the story of, of Toha, and, and she allowed us to uh, share her story and, and have those the 22 in her honor for a while, and then she decided she wanted to, uh, not that, that, even though that was part of her story, she didn't want that to be part of her uh, outward appearance or her identity anymore, and so she asked us not to make those anymore, so we actually stopped making them. So what okay. you have is limited edition okay. uh, <laughs> bracelet. Um, yeah. Also but, banned is what right. I'm hearing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we, if you're interested in more information about the organization, one of the documentaries that we showed over the years was The Pink Room. Mm -hmm. So Nefarious is an introduction to the, the reality of um, sex trafficking in the world. The Pink Room actually tells the story um, of AIM. Do you mm -hmm. want to just tell The Pink Room significance real quick of what that room was and what it is today? Yeah, so you actually saw the video. Uh, in the video, you saw that pink room. Uh, that was the room where the virgins were. Um, that's, that was, was where they were, were kept and trapped. Um, and so in that building where the pink room was, that was a brothel in the town of Sipok, uh, where we started our work to shut down trafficking. Sipok was an epicenter of child sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. Men, pedophiles from all over the world were going there to have sex with children that were openly bought and sold on the street. And so Don and Bridget started doing ministry and outreach there. God, God eventually led us to plant a church in Svipak because we would go and do outreach during the day. We would show up, we would do medical outreach, we would do kids club. And, and people said, well, Jesus would visit during the day, but then Jesus would leave, and then the bad guys would come in. And so it wasn't until we planted a church there that Jesus took up residence in Swipok that everything was shut down. The brothels are gone. There's a school. There's a church. There's a community center. There's the employment center where the girls make all the clothing, jewelry, and bracelets that for, that's for sale out there. But that building 
is now the church. That building where the pink room was is now the church. And originally, was they were meeting upstairs in the room where the girls would come out, do the karaoke, and then a, a man would say, I want that girl, I want that girl. That was where the church was meeting, and then it, it outgrew that room. And so they had to expand. So they busted out the back wall of the church, and they expanded the church now to where once was the garbage heap of Swipok. There's now a church of 300 people meeting there every Sunday. That's where we do our kids' club. So God can not only redeem lives, he redeems territory. He redeems land. Once a brothel, once a garbage heap, now a church. Wow, that's amazing. That's fantastic. When I went to Cambodia, I had a chance to meet Eric, the mm -hmm. head of the SWAT yeah, team. Yeah, he was on the video, the, okay. the bald, handsome bald guy on yes. the video. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so this, man, this man was a Scottish homicide detective mm -hmm. and had reached a place in his career where he, he felt like there was something new for him to do, but he wanted to use that skill set. So what do you do when you're a, a homicide detective and that's what you want to offer to the world? He just started praying. He was a newlywed or mm -hmm. fairly young mm -hmm. um, married guy and uh, had a map of the world and was just praying, Lord, this is who I am. This is what I can do. Where do you want to use me? And he felt like God led him to aim. And he became the, the head of this SWAT team mm -hmm. and I think was expecting his first child actually right mm -hmm. after I met him. But um, pretty amazing mm -hmm. story. And then also when I was there, they were building a new school and it was just basically a dirt pit, a little bit of concrete. I feel like the house mom was sitting in the school. Was that the school? Or? That was the restoration home. Oh, that was the yeah. home. Yeah. Okay. But the school yeah. is functioning. It is. Uh, yeah, we have eight, 800 kids in our school now. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and if I could, so that school is in Swipok, where 100% of the kids were trafficked. So now, instead of being trafficked, those kids are in school. Our school is K through six, and then we have follow-up programs, scholarship programs, after-school programs. So when the kids leave our school, they go on to junior high, high school, we provide scholarships for them. They can come back for tutoring after school. And so thousands of kids now have been impacted by that school that have a hope in a future that before they wouldn't have had. Yeah. So when he says that 100% of the kids in this village were trafficked, to, to make sense of that, it doesn't mean 100 kids were kidnapped and whisked away to be sold. It was a, a cultural issue where families, that this was how I support the family. And so parents knew that this was happening. It was a very upside down, messed up culture going clear back to the whole Cambodian killing fields and all that happened during that time. So the, the reason for the partnership too with faith and Christianity is there's a culture that needs to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, high 90s, you're saying 100% of the mm -hmm. kids, but just, unbelievable um, amounts of, um, of horror happening. And when I was there, the, the, the streets were, were dirt. Mm -hmm. And I was actually told we don't let young women walk across the street on their own. They were still um, very unsafe, those streets in this village. And by the way, Don and Bridget Brewster lived in an apartment overlooking this area. So they literally moved into the center of the epicenter. Mm -hmm. And those streets are now paved. Yep. There's a state-of-the-art gym, a uh, fitness center that they use to do Bible studies to draw in traffickers, to mm -hmm. share Christ and bring conversion and change mm -hmm. and pretty amazing things. But I think what I love, one of the most uh, powerful things to me in all of this is when, when they talk about the house moms, mm -hmm. 
You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. Mm -hmm. And anybody can love. And so no matter who we are, where we are, loving, serving, caring, giving changes lives. I, I think it's so powerful. Amen. So I don't know if it's still the case, but um, when we signed up to sponsor, $68 a month equals the cost of conducting a rescue for one girl mm -hmm. over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. Um, is that still the numbers that we use? Or Every $1,000 helps us rescue a girl. Okay. So, yeah, however, yeah, break okay. that up. I was told there wasn't going to be math involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, you that, did read that, that passage. That sounds about right, yeah. yeah. Before you noticed <laughs> that it was their faith. Um, so for $68 a month, you can, over the course of a year, fund the rescue of one girl. The, the website for AIM is aimfree, so aimfree.org, and they have a monthly sponsorship program. I would love it if every person in our church, I, I'm sure we're all sponsoring somebody, a child through, mm -hmm. through Compassion or World Vision, but um, let's add this to our list as well. Can you give us the commercial for the merchandise out there? Absolutely, yeah, so in our employment center, lovely flannel just like this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. How many of you would believe me if I said all of her stuff today was unscripted? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the first time that's ever happened. I love it. Um, everything that out there is made by the survivors in our employment center in Cambodia, in Swipok, uh, signed or inscribed by the girl who made it. Um, her name is on there. Um, and all of that money goes back to employing survivors. We provide uh, fair market wage, actually just above a fair market wage. We provide health care, a lunch, uh, and child care if they need it, education for them, which no other garment factory in Cambodia provides. So we have, actually have girls that want to come work with us. Our focus is on survivors or girls that by providing a job, we know that we're going to prevent them from being trafficked. Is there anything else you want to say? No. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for allowing me to come and share. And thank you. God bless you.